Chapter Three of One Commonplace Day by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, Step by Step. Then he answered Miss Wainwright's questioning eyes. I understand. I can see ways in which picnics might fit. Cannot you? Do not the workers in the vineyard need occasionally, between seed time and harvest, just the rest and refreshment which the putting off of care, and in a certain sense of responsibility, and the giving themselves up to a day of outdoor social pleasures, gives? The workers? Yes, I think more than likely they do. I shouldn't wonder if it would do you, and Mr. Durant, and Dr. Brandon, and two or three others whom I can think of, a world of good. But what about me? I don't believe I need such rest at all. I haven't been doing the sort of work which requires that kind of rest. In fact, I'm not tired. I never felt stronger in my life, ready for anything. Why should I go and waste a day in the woods? Mr. Cleveland smiled brightly. The breezy energy with which she spoke seemed to give him new courage. Good, he said. It rests me to find one who isn't tired. As to the picnic, how do I know what your work is? If you are to go, and the Lord will tell you whether that is the way to spend the afternoon or not, he certainly has something for you to say or do for somebody, a word or a deed or a look. How can we tell beforehand what it is? Can't we trust him to point out the way, step by step? A softened look came into the clear gray eyes. Miss Wainwright looked off at the hills in the distance, her whole face taking a restful expression of humble trust. "'Thank you,' she said at last, turning back to Mr. Cleveland. "'You have given me a lift. Step by step. That is what I haven't been much given to doing. I've planned the way weeks beforehand, and strained every nerve to walk in the path of my own planning. I shouldn't be surprised if I didn't do a thing this day that was planned out for it a week ago.' I said I wasn't going to waste my time at a picnic, and I feel now as though I might very likely go. I can't tell yet. You are going, Charlie, I suppose? What are you going to do about it after you get there? That's the question. You don't know, do you? Neither do I. But if we both go, intending to do the thing that he says to do next, I suppose it will be all right. Only there's this about it. I should think we would both need to watch that we did not do the things which he has explicitly told us not to do. The gentlemen lifted their hats in farewell a moment afterward, and passed down the road together. A grand woman, that, Mr. Cleveland said, and the younger gentleman made answer. A queer woman as one will find in a lifetime. Grand? Yes, I suppose she is in a way and then they reached the corner and their ways separated, of which fact Mr. Charlie Lambert was glad. He drew a long breath as one who had breathed an atmosphere that was too bracing for him. In truth, he felt as though he wanted no more of that sort of thing just at present. Upstairs, in Fanny Copeland's room, the girls were making their beds and frolicking. I think the frolic progressed more rapidly than the bed-making. They were not very old young ladies, and they were very warm friends, and had been separated for three months and thirteen days, and this was their first morning together. They felt wild. Their frolic took the undignified and very enjoyable form of a pillow fight. 
and the peals of laughter which constantly issued from their room let everybody in the house know how thoroughly the fun was being enjoyed. "'Just hear those girls!' Mrs. Copeland said, as she went about her neat dining-room, and she smiled in appreciation of their glee. Mildred, the guest, was the first to rally from the spell, and brush back her disorderly hair, and say, "'Francis Copeland, what would your mother think if she could see this room? She will believe that a real hoyden has come to visit you.' "'Fancy Mildred Powers being sat down as a hoyden,' laughed Fanny, breathless with fun, and the effect of the last pillow. "'My mother isn't easily disturbed, my child. She has had me for her daughter too long for that. She is just the nicest mother a girl ever had, anyway.' "'Except mine,' Mildred said, with the look on her face that one likes to see a girl wear when she speaks of her mother. Fanny laughed lightly. "'Oh, yes,' she said, "'I must accept your mother, of course.' I know she must be ever so nice on account of her daughter. But, Mildred, really and truly, I have seen a great many mothers whom I wouldn't have had for mine under any consideration whatever. I do feel so sorry for girls sometimes just because of their mothers. It was Mildred's turn to laugh. That is just one of your queer ideas, Fanny Copeland. I don't suppose there is a girl in the world who would exchange her mother for yours or mine or anything. All girls think their mothers are splendid. Fanny shook her head. Don't you believe it, she said, with an air of wisdom. You can't have seen as many different types of mother as I have, or you would know better. There's a girl here, Laura Milroy, her name is. If her mother were mine, I should run away, and sometimes I think Laura would like to. At that moment a clear voice called from the hall below. Fanny! There, said Mildred, she has heard our uproar and has come to quench us. But Fanny went away with a bright face, in no wise concerned. In a moment she was back. Where is my pin, Mildred? Do you see it anywhere? It is a call. Must be on business so early in the morning. Charlie Lambert. I've never told you about him, have I? Well, there isn't much to tell. He is a good-hearted young fellow, who studies some, and lounges some, and smokes some, and is handy to have around. If he has come to call, Milly, I'll come back for you. And she hurriedly smoothed her rumpled hair, set her collar straight, and departed. When she came again, her face was bright. It is an invitation, Mildred, a picnic at the falls, just the perfect day for it. I accept it for you at once. I wasn't going to give you a chance to refuse. Oh, you good naughty girl, you have finished the bed, haven't you, and straightened the bureau. I am real glad about this picnic. It will give me a chance to introduce you to all the girls. And Charlie Lambert is a good one to go with. He doesn't hover around one all the time, but gives you a chance to enjoy other people a little. The falls are just lovely, Mildred. Don't you know I told you about going there last summer, and having such a delightful time? I haven't been since. A good deal of talk followed as to hours and plans. The picnic grounds were ten miles away, but were reached by steam cars, which left the depot promptly at two o'clock. Charlie warned me that if we were tardy it would be a hopeless case, for there isn't another train up that will stop at the falls until seven. What sort of a person is this Charlie, Fanny? 
oh why i told you good and nice like one's brother you know only i shouldn't care to have a brother just like him why not how can i tell just because i wouldn't i should be as particular about brothers as i am about mothers i'm always glad that my only brother is five years younger than i am because i can bring him up to suit me charlie is a law student at least he is in judge marley's office it seems as though he went to too many picnics and things to study much not that he is wild i don't mean that he has very good morals why he is a member of the church not that that amounts to much with him he must be a rather remarkable person he has all the virtues and is a good fellow and doesn't amount to much in any way fanny laughed i am giving you a wrong impression i don't know how to describe people but there really isn't a great deal about charlie to describe he is just a good enough boy and that is about all what do you mean by saying that his being a member of the church did not amount to much i don't know quite what i did mean only we have our ideals of things you know i have always thought that if i were a church member i should like to be a real thorough-going one act as though it meant something of great importance and be different in every way i dare say i should not i should be like every one else probably but one thinks more of these things in a man than even in a woman there is occasionally a man you know who acts as though his church and his religion were the most important matters in life to him and i think it is rather becoming and this mr lambert doesn't impress you in any such way oh charlie he is of another type altogether he never does anything particularly wrong i guess but you don't get an impression that it is because of his religion he never goes to prayer meeting he is too busy i believe has to study evenings or stay in the office but then there are numberless other evenings when he doesn't seem to have to do any such thing he is in a bible class he is one of miss wainwright's young men and she is always chasing him up to see why he wasn't there last sunday but he is kind-hearted and gentlemanly and always ready and willing to do one a favor there's mamma's voice calling me again i think she wants to plan about our lunch for this afternoon will you come down with me mildred or will you wait here till i come back mildred chose to stay and the moment she was alone she drew from a snug corner of her trunk a medium-sized handsomely bound bible and sat down with thoughtful face beside the open window yet the reading did not seem to hold her thoughts she turned the leaves absently not as one who was really looking for any particular place but as one whose attention was preoccupied she settled where to read at last but with a single verse her eyes roved outside the window something had set mildred powers into a quieter mood than that which had possessed her during the pillow fight as you looked at her now you would have decided that the quiet mood became her best perhaps was more habitual to her it was a sweet young face with fair hair and bright brown eyes large and thoughtful looking you would not have thought her more than seventeen though in reality she had just passed her eighteenth birthday the extreme simplicity of her morning dress possibly gave one a better opportunity to note its exquisite fit to a graceful form and also to notice how exactly it harmonized with a somewhat trying complexion somebody made a study of dress for mildred powers 
sufficiently at least to have her select that which best suited her. Yet the whole effect was such as to impress a looker-on with the feeling that, once selected and made, her dress commanded very little more attention from its wearer. I am not sure that the face of the wearer was one easy to read. There was power in it, certainly, but of just what sort, or whether it had not been sufficiently called out by circumstances for any one to be sure of it as yet, was a question. She was a girl who exerted more or less influence over her friends without being aware that she did so. Fanny Copeland, on the other hand, was perfectly well aware that she was a power in every direction in which she chose to exert herself. She knew that this dear friend of hers leaned on her, depended on her judgment, was swayed by her movements. She had not discovered that she herself was ever swayed by Mildred. Before three verses of the chapter had been read, Fanny's quick step was heard on the stair again. It was an involuntary action of Mildred's to thrust the handsome Bible suddenly out of sight under the folds of a crimson shawl that lay on the couch beside her. She could not have told why she did so. She would have been a little ashamed to try to tell. There was an instinctive feeling that it would seem strange to Fanny to find her reading in the Bible. Fanny's face was clouded, and the tones of her voice had undergone a change. "'Mama wants us to take Kate with us,' she said at last, feeling that Mildred's eyes questioned her changed mood. "'Kate, why, how can we?' "'That is just what I asked Mama, but she doesn't seem to realize the difficulties. Mothers do have peculiar ideas sometimes.' "'Fanny, I beg your pardon, I did not mean to call your mother's judgment in question.' I only meant that I thought we were ourselves guests, and not at liberty to invite others. As to that, said Fanny, ashamed of the position in which she was placing her mother, it is a sort of town affair, you know. That is, it is a temperance picnic, and invitations have been issued in the papers for all to go who choose to buy tickets. Oh, I didn't understand. Why, then, there is no difficulty in the way. Kate is as much invited as we are. That is what I tell Mamma, and at liberty to go if she wishes, without our taking her under our protection. But Mamma says she is timid, and feels that she doesn't know the girls very well, and she is sure that she will not go unless we ask her to walk along with us, and look after her a little. Well, why not? We could easily manage that, since there are four of us. You could walk with your friend, and Kate and I could keep right at your heels." Mildred's voice was merry, and her face without a cloud. Apparently nothing in the prospect troubled her. But Fanny's face did not clear. "'I should be very likely to allow that,' she said, in a tone which was divided between vexation and indignation. "'It is a real nuisance. I don't know why Mamma can't see that it would just spoil our pleasure.' If I had thought I were going to be tried in this way, I should never have coaxed to have Kate come here. But, Fanny, what harm will it do? I really and truly would just as soon walk to the depot with Kate as not. I like her face ever so much. And if your gentleman friend does not like it, he need have nothing to do with her. It was you he invited, for I suppose he did not even know I was here so he will have the company he planned for, and everything will be nice. 
Fanny shook herself with increasing impatience, and twisted about the hair she was trying to rearrange, so that in revenge it tumbled recklessly in pretty brown waves to her waist. "'Now see what I have done. Here is a good half-hour of work, and I thought my hair was put away for the day. It isn't that, Mildred. I don't care two straws what Charlie Lambert likes or doesn't like. We should get along well enough going to the depot.' but it will just make embarrassment the whole time. Introductions, you know, and having her waited on. It is to be a basket picnic, and particular friends will gather in groups, and she will have to be one of our group, of course, and it will just be disagreeable all the time. If Mamma were a young girl, she would see how it is. You needn't look at me out of your great eyes, Mildred Powers. I know you think I am silly, and I suppose I am but I cannot make the world over, and I don't want to try. I am well enough suited with it as it is, if I could only be let alone in it. End of chapter 3